Hello, listeners. Another episode of Escape from Plenty for you. And this is Chris here with Tina and Jess. What's up, gang? What up? It's too hot. That's all. Nothing, no, oh, really? nothing new to report. It's just way too hot. I don't like it. It's actually cooling down here. But I think, I mean, this is supposed to be our bonus. We're, we're releasing it in the bonus slot. But I think we're going to release it as free because Jess was supposed to be on our last pod uh, with me, Teen, and Pix. Uh, but Jess, you're you're a little too busy, and um, but you had a lot of things you wanted to say about that goddamn uh, disinformation report, and we, I think, I think the audience needs to hear your thoughts. Why put it behind the paywall? So I, I think we're gonna unlock this from the get go. So, listeners, you probably already listened to the last episode if you're a regular listener, so you know what the disinformation report is. Jess, uh, unleash yourself. Uh, go at it. Uh, I mean, just for anybody who's new to this, um, just you guys, I, I would definitely say check those those episodes out. Those were out last week, right? The the uh, uh, less than last a week. week. It came out week? Uh, yeah. last Saturday. Yeah, so uh, definitely check those out. I'm not going to be saying uh, I'm not going to cover the nitty gritties or anything. So, like for the full for the full like what uh, 360 view on this, check those check those guys out. And honestly, it wasn't that uh, I was too busy or anything. I I got so caught up in stuff, I just literally didn't check my email for a while, and then I oh. missed uh, I missed the planning stage. So, hmm. um, but you guys did a fantastic job. Um, I'm we actually did get a lot glad. of good feedback. I think I think people really liked picks uh, picks take on stuff and yeah yeah she's um, a great guest. Glad yeah. to know her. Uh, just solid all around. Um, she really she really gave gave this piece what for so um a thumbs up to thumbs up to picks and thank you to everyone for checking that out if you haven't please do so um so i mean again you know i'm just talking about the same article that uh, you guys you guys thoroughly dissected you know power platforms in politics asian americans <laughs> and disinformation brought to you by the asian american disinformation table it's it, uh, I, I mean, how do you how do you read this and not not immediately cringe? Like, do you see this and and you're like, oh shit, these people are gonna have something good to say? Uh, I I maybe I'm too too deep in in my little corner of the world. I just don't see how this like, I don't I don't see how this strikes anyone as a good idea. Um, and I I mean, it's it I, think it, I think it's stri- I think it would strike um, you know, party officials. That's a good idea. Yeah, like you have to be. Yeah, so that question kept coming up in my head. Like, who is this actually for? Um, and I think asking that question answers a lot of uh, like concerns and questions about what this piece is uh, is ultimately for. And I think you guys nailed it um, right on. This is a jobs. This is a jobs uh, creation document. This is a bunch of people looking to aggregate some power and influence and collect some paychecks to to build a an active surveillance tool against an eth- against a particular ethnic community. I mean, their their whole thing is you guys are not surveilling this corner of the internet enough. That's their whole thing: snitching on a corner of a uh, of ethnic activity on so on social media and uh, and exposing it and offering to sell it. Um. So I, I mean, just I like my skin was just crawling reading. It took me a long time to read it because I just I it, oh it it it's really gross. Um, I I mean, but not terribly surprising, is it? I mean, I don't think uh, that I don't think that I mean it's going to be them or someone else, right? But I like someone had I think we were talking about this in the Discord, but it's like, you know, and and I get this a lot, and this is this is something that I do think about. Um, it, it's. It, 
it's always annoying to me when people say this, but on the other hand, I do think it's worth thinking about, though I still end up on my own side of it, which is like, you know, if these, like, it's just a waste of time attacking these blue checks, you know, the type of people who are behind this paper, because nobody cares about them. They're, they're, they, you know, they're, they're not influential people. Nobody knows who they are. And you're falling for it because it's like, they just want you to criticize them because you just end up amplifying their voice. You make it, you make them more important by talking about them. I don't know. I find that incredibly irritating <laughs> that, 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 that style of critique. But, you know, I mean, I have heard that said. Well, the argument is that um, it's almost a waste of time to go after these people individually, right? The conditions are there um, such that um, if, say, we take this group down, like they can, they cannot enact this, they can't fund their project and it goes nowhere, that somebody else will inevitably step in. Okay, well, if that happens, then you go after them too. Yes, the conditions are there for someone to be for someone to be taking on this kind of work. So, I mean, is the argument that if you have to do it again, it's not it's not worthwhile to do at all? Uh, the argument is no. Like, like we rec- this is a recognition that the conditions exist uh, that uh, that activate this kind of this kind of bad faith uh, work at the expense of at our expense, all of us. Um, so you keep going after whoever, whoever, whoever is, uh, whoever is venal enough to step in to offer their services like this. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think I get their point to the extent if they're saying you cannot just be hundred percent reactive, uh, you gotta kind of do your own thing, which I agree, but you gotta also, uh, punch back when someone punches you or, or your friends. And I, I think that's when we started off, we were more focused on, on these blue check types. I think as, as we've developed, we, as I said, we have been developing our own, you know, channels and, you know, groups and circles, but every once in a while, if, you know, if they come for you and they didn't come for us specifically, literally, but you know, they went after picks, they went after generally, um, like people who oppose them, even though we, you know, we aren't. The, the MR Asians or, or what, no matter what they say, we're not the, um, you know, pro uh, BJP types, but they're, they're casting themselves as the only good Asian Americans around, uh, which makes us the villain. So we, we got to strike back. And if they, we don't strike back, then, you know, they, they got to know that we're here. Well, I think there's also this, you know, if you, if you really follow, like, when people lay such arguments out, I, I I kind of say like, okay, let's let's just assume, let's let's accept what you're saying, but then let's think of like all of like let's follow it to its to the end. And I think if you're gonna say stuff like Asian blue checks don't matter, nobody cares about them, right? All right. Well, the next step in 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 framing that I think is to say like, or in thinking about that, is to be like, nonetheless. These people have much more influence and a larger platform and a larger reach than any of you all, than any yeah, of us. If they're nothing, what does that make us? Exactly. If they're nothing, then we are less than nothing, right? Negative. So so what I'm saying is that and, – and then so if you start from there that, or if you, if you get to that point and then you sort of like say, okay, well, let's start from here then then what you're starting out by saying is basically like Asian American shit just doesn't matter. If the Asian American media elite and, and political elite don't matter, then Asian American, what you're really saying is that Asian Americans as a whole are just negligible. 
like we don't mean anything. Now, you could take that position if you want. Uh, I'm not putting a value judgment on it, but I am putting a truth value on it, which is I don't think that's correct. Not because I'm a proud Asian American or whatever, but because it's just simply not true. If you look at the uh, like the amount of like someone I forgot who said this uh, someone in quite uh, like a like a very well known I forgot who it was but said that they considered I think it might have been Iglesias or something said that what happened in San Francisco was the political earthquake of the year so far right so what you're what we're talking about now is like Asian American influence merging into the the like into the main lanes of american politics especially democratic politics it does matter people do care and therefore the blue checks do matter and not just with respect to asian people but with respect to the de- democratic politics as a whole so i just i really think when people say stuff like oh you know the blue checks are nobody nobody cares about them and you, you all are just taking the bait because you're just amplifying them because without you guys, no one would pay that. That's not true. I'm sorry. That's not true. These people already hold positions of influence. They already have jobs and positions within influential media and political organizations and NGOs. They have resources. There's money going towards them to them and geo money. So I don't, I don't know what this attitude is about like, you know, criticizing us for like sort of basically watching us acting as watchdogs to an extent on 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 the sort of Asian political and media elite. That's, that's we, how I if, get. if we had the power to amplify anyone, we, we wouldn't be acting like this what we are, which which feels like this kind of like underground, slightly um disreputable uh group. We would be the ones, um, you know, hobnobbing with the with the mainstream and, and shit like that. So, you know, we don't have the power to amplify anybody. Well, I mean, there's a there's an interesting quote here. I, it's repeated a couple of times throughout the uh, throughout the paper. Um, it's I'm just reading from it now. It's a it's a subheader for one of the the sections. It's called disinformation is about power. As table co-chair Ten Mozi Soundarajan of Equality Labs has emphasized, a fact is a fact not just because of evidence, but because of power. Emphasis on power. Now, this is true. Um, this this is true. Uh, this, but I would flip that around. The way this article, this the way this paper presents it, is that the agents of mis or disinformation are actually the ones with power. They they hint at these well funded um, bad faith actors who are operating this shadow network across multiple Asian ethnic language platforms, shadow platform spaces to uh, seed the landscape with, uh, with bad information, with the intent to fracture the community and present, you know, indoctrinate them with quote harmful narratives. Right. But they get the power dynamic. They need to leverage that idea that there are these uh, extremely, that they're the underdogs fighting a very, very powerful enemy. That's what this paper's, this, that's what this proposal is for, right? They're asking for money at the end of the day. They're asking for money. They're asking for uh, like human resources, talent to be able to, to, uh, un- to take on this kind of project of surveillance, um, and narrative control and narrative creation, actually. Um, 
But they have the power dynamic reversed as far as I can see it. These are the people who, these are, I mean, we all know the names on the on these papers here. These are people with influence who actually have their hands on uh, the ability, to, the, if not on the levers of power, they know how to get close to it enough to be able to do something like this and expect some positive return, right? They are expecting to see some dollars come their way as a result of putting this, they wouldn't have done this if they didn't think that they could. That's what this is all about. They are oh. actually the ones that are operating with the with the higher with the higher level of control over power uh, against people that they the people that they actually name as being uh, lower income, lower education, uh, often locked into these uh, these language platforms because they don't have they don't have the uh, language ability or whatever uh, uh, to be able to be on like English language social media platforms. Yeah, just speaking of, of that uh, power, I, 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 this is something that I had highlighted to, to speak on the last part, but I had forgotten. In the Who We Are section, it says, the Asian American Disinformation Table is a national table to coordinate research strategies, policy recommendations, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But then I noticed they said pop culture. Basically means mm -hmm. Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that their ideas that they want to propagate here this is like so the next next like Asian American Netflix or Hulu movie you see they want their hands on it. So I mean we've all we've all known that you know these people what little Asian American pop culture there is these people have way too much control over it. They just come out and say it like yeah it's basically propaganda to try to get uh, to promote our side. So he's actually yeah I mean yeah and to be able to to harness that kind of uh, that kind of power. Um, these are people with the potential to do quite a bit of damage here. Um, and, you know, I, I notice in their, um, their list of, you know, misinformation or disinformation, they don't really, they do, they do try for some definition of terms. So, you know, I guess hats off for some semblance of, uh, of rigor here. Um, but you know, what makes their side the correct side? There's no real, there's no real explanation or making a case for why the, uh, for why their position is actually uh, the unvarnished truth. That it's even, that it's even who it benefits is also um, a little murky here. Like they name, they name some convenient parties like, like feminists or, you know, like lower caste people, uh, think groups like that, but they're never really clear on who this is actually benefiting. Um, and Chris, I think you were, you were, um, you, you had noted that, um, you know, in the, all, their documentation of harmful narratives and who the victims are, there is no mention of say a victim of a hate crime. Yes, there, I think there's like one reference uh, to the, um, what is it, uh, the Atlanta spa victims, but they don't mm -hmm. name them. And there was a part where, I don't know her name, um, she might have been the, the Filipino grandma who, who got like stomped on in, mm -hmm. in New, York, New York. But they, the context they bring her up in is, uh, I forgot what it was, like Asian Dawn or you know, one of those sites saying the way they, they put her face uh, I mean, not like her hurt face, but her regular face is supposed to invoke kind of like a dangerous level of sympathy versus the um, you know you're supposed to hate her black assailant. So it, it's it, they don't even use her as um, as a as like a point of sympathy. They 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 use her as uh, like a point to uh, say the other side is actually creating too much uh, sympathy for her in a bad way. And 
yeah, and as I said, the the people they name, uh, at least with the 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 yellow Asian section to this, because it was a very like piecemeal type of report. The ones they do name, the ones that they are looking out for, are like the Jen Fangs and the Eileen Huang's, Constance Wu of all people, uh, Celeste Ng, um, those types. Yeah, Celeste Ng, a, a, a nationally renowned, a famous author who has who has HBO credits to her name, is the disempowered one here. Married to the general counsel of fucking Harvard. Yeah, you know? um, and I know, I mean, and I see like uh, Christina Yuna Lee, her murder. I don't uh, think she was named either. I, a team. She was her name. No, no. There's a-, a tweet about her. Yeah, and they're suggesting that they were capital capitalizing on her murder to stoke anti-black yeah, her uh, inconvenience sentiment. It's total murder. In no, under no, here, the section about media manipulation strategies yeah. of black so, on Asian crime. So here's here's let's 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 analyze this because I do think the criticism that we just go after blue Ch- I think part of the reason some might feel that way is and I will I will cop to this is that I do have a certain personal animosity towards these people. Oh, I loathe true. them. Yeah, I loathe them, but I think my critique of them has evolved over time as I've observed them because I do pay attention to what they say. It's not just about who they are, but I do care about why they're saying the things they say. Why are they so concerned about anti-blackness among Asian Americans? Because I, you know, I looked at the, there's like negligible violence that's perpetrated by Asian people onto African Americans, black black Americans. So like. What what is the fear here? Like why what what is what's compelling this? And I thought at first these people just don't like Asian people, or you know they're just like they've been loaded up with you know really uh, you know biased views about Asian people or whatever. Okay, fine, whatever it is. And I think in the past we have gone down that style of analysis, but I think here like this is my point is like we are merging into national level mainstream politics in a way where the the reasoning and the logic behind these kinds of of this kind of discourse starts to make a lot more sense and it doesn't really have anything to do with uh you know the personal biases or personal viewpoints of say like uh you know some of these blue check people but that's not to say that that's not causing them to write this, but for whatever reason they hold this view, that is the reason why they're getting platformed, right? Like to get platformed, to get uh, hold an academic, uh, to hold a professorship, to get a job at, at a major news outlet, you do need to hold these attitudes. And why? Because now we're seeing, and I think San Francisco finally unveiled what, what the real issue is, is that the Democratic Party has long try to thread the needle between you know tr- addressing anti-black racism and abuse especially you know in law enforcement and expanding the base to centrist white swing voters and working class right so i think the summer of 2020 was an example of how the democratic party was forced to do splits and support things like BLM, which they co-opted and sort of watered down and stuff and were able to corporatize and manage that. But then the defund the police, I think they had a really hard time defanging that. 
And that alienated, that was something that they had to support, particularly in, in, in large urban areas that alienated a lot of suburban and, and exurban white voters and even urban white voters. And now you've got, so, so they've been really trying to fucking address that and, and just like not get pulled apart. But now you've got this issue of anti-Asian violence. Think about all the stories that you see day, daily now. It's almost daily that you see, and we can talk about one of the Lily Shu in a sec, but you see daily elderly Asian and Asian women getting like harassed, beaten, and straight up murdered, shot to death in the street almost daily, at least weekly. And those are the ones that we have videotape and direct evidence for. A lot of the stuff that happens, there's no evidence or there's no direct video of it. So it doesn't even really get reported. But I've heard firsthand many accounts of people I know that have been subject to similar kinds of uh, uh, violence. And that, I think, is starting to worry Democrats. Because so long as it's contained just among Asians, maybe maybe they can ignore it. But it seems, especially in San Francisco, to have led to the recall of the DA... And now they're worried because it's like, are we going to have a law and order backlash where we're going to have to start reconciling or try try have to do the splits between the defund crowd and ACAB crowd and the law and order crowd? I think they're really worried about that. Asian Americans are the spoiler race when it comes to this issue. And that is why we see um, something like this and all the other stuff that we see that says Asian Americans engage in misinformation and are pushing anti-black narratives because Asian culture is inherently patriarchal and racist. So why do, why do they want to see that? Because it's just an easy way to dismiss the potential for Asian Americans to cause and, or not to cause, but to uh, exacerbate this internal contradiction, this internal conflict within the democratic party. Does that make sense? Uh, that, wait, so that let makes me go, complete sense to me. Wait, wait, um, sorry, uh, Jeff, but before you go on, I just want to uh, make sure I, I'm understanding you right, Teen. So you're saying that they're worried that other racial groups will see how Asians are acting and then they'll just like trace back what are pissing off Asian American voters so much and see why this democratic coalition can't hold. So instead of risking that happening, just say, oh, these, these Asians, this is just their, their, um, their, you know, Confucian wackiness and uh, backwardsness. So never mind that. That has nothing to do with what our feelings are. They're, they're, they're just going to be the way they are. I think, I, think, it's, I think what I'm trying to say is we saw a backlash against the liberal progressive wing, broad-based, not just Asian, but broad-based in San Francisco, led to the recall of Chesa Boudin and, and I think three school board members, right? Those were broad-based votes across the whole city. Asian votes were a minority uh, of, of those votes. But the thing that scared, I think that actually scared the Democratic Party because it was like, this is not a niche Asian issue anymore, right? Asian kids, like the whole, the whole racist shit that that woman was saying against Asian kids, it turns out that a lot, of, a lot more people were upset with the school board, maybe for other reasons, but related reasons. They were sick of this, the woke crowd. Uh, you know, uh, the way they handled the schooling thing, right? 
And then there was this backlash against Chesa Boudin. And at first they thought it was just because he had said some insensitive remarks about some crimes against the few Asian elderly people. Okay, one of them got kicked yeah, to the death. The bad but, day remark. Yeah. yeah, the bad day remark. Okay, whatever. But it's kind of like, look, it's just Asian people, whatever. And it turns out a lot more people than just Asians were upset with him. And, and Brooke Jenkins, the current DA, actually resigned uh, saying that this guy's not even doing his fucking job. And I don't think she's particularly wed to the idea that you know, anti-Asian crime is the number one issue uh, for her, right? So they're worried that there's going to be a general backlash against uh, the liberal progressive wing of the party. They're worried about that. Why? Because in that backlash, you're going to get competing narratives, and it's going to be really hard to build a national coalition when they go do uh, national elections, right? Because it's the national level where it gets really tricky. And so because then you start asking questions like, hey, so do you do you support BLM? Do you support defund? What's your views on that? Right. And then you got to you're talking to a national crowd. So that gets very fucking complicated. So I think what I'm saying is they would like to put the GD back in the bottle from and, and they were afraid that it came out in San Francisco. They would like to stuff it all back into this notion that any time and, and remember, this was kicked off with Chinese American organizing and money. In San Francisco, it was it was, it was Chinese money, Chinese American money that formed the basis of the organizing, and that's starting to attract bigger money from Silicon Valley generally. I'm talking about rich white people, right? So what I'm saying is they're they're trying now, and I don't think it's going to work, but they're trying essentially to pathologize Asian American grassroots organizing to say. Those are really that's really like this weird right wing element, right? It's like these weird fucking Asian nationalist elements that like are actually right wing and they're actually opposed to the Democratic Party. So if if there's anything that's being organized by Asian Americans at a grassroots level, that has to be avoided. And why? They're anti-black racists, they hate black people, their culture is incompatible with modern contemporary urban liberalism, right? Um, they just cannot be trusted. And maybe they have foreign money. I don't know what's going on. They are trying to they are trying to cut out Asian American grassroots organizing at the at like be, they're nip it in the bud before San Francisco can happen again. And so that that I think is a much more compelled to me, a much more compelling analysis or framework by which to think of these accusations, these narratives that we see that anger people so much about why do they constantly say Asian culture is anti-black? Why do they constantly say we're misogynists? Why do they constantly say, you know, that um, we're anti-democratic, we don't have democratic values, we're nationalists, we're right-wingers? Why do they say this? Because they don't want us participating in politics because... Any grassroots organizing is going to make it very awkward for the Democratic Party. And I think Asian Americans have shown, along with, uh, I think, Hispanic voters, and that's a whole other kettle of fish for the Democratic Party, a surprisingly um, a surprising amount of organizational skill, resources, and um, a grassroots nature to what their interests are. They're not party loyalists. They care about their own interests. And that frightens the Democratic Party. Does that make sense? I don't know if I. I no, I, the, the conclusion sense. that I came to. I mean, the, from what they're talking about, they they lump in like affirmative action, the recall of Chesa Boudin, uh, you know, hate crime legislation, things like that. 
what it adds up to is saying that it is highly inconvenient to at least these people and as tools of a, a greater like like you said the greater democratic party cause in the united states it is antithetical to their interests for Asian Americans to be expressing and organizing on self-interested grounds. If they're actually flexing political power, it is harmful to the cause of of liberalism generally in the United States. They don't explicitly call it that, but these are, these are Democrat talking points. These are Democrat, um, like organizing, like low side power here in the United States. That's what they're saying. These grassroots Asians are inconvenient, they're dangerous, they're harmful to the mainstream cause. And what we are promising to do is we are promising to um, a couple of different things. And I'd like to touch briefly on these. One is that they would like to uh, control, like rewrite that narrative, right? Go into, they identify a bunch of platforms that these people are likely to be in. And they're offering to go with the money that you give us. We're going to go into these platforms. We're going to change that narrative for, for you guys. We're going to flood it with, you know, good information as opposed to disinformation and hopefully sway more people to thinking and acting the correct way. Um, their, their, their methods are completely backwards and wrongheaded. It's not going to work. And I think it's so limp that that's just, it's a fig leaf. Everyone knows that this is not going to work. For one thing, they treat information as with the level of religiosity. There's this idea that information carries this, like, like, like the spiritual power by itself, right? They are completely ignoring. The Ten Commandments, Moses coming down with it. I mean, it's it's magical thinking. It's thinking like that's the whole split between you know information and disinformation, right? Um, the proper way to think about that is it's really all just information. What you take out of that is really a matter of opinion, um, and how much power you have in forcing others to adopt that same viewpoint. That's really what it comes down to here. So this is a this is a pretty bare you know power struggle here. Whose version of reality? can carry the day here. On the one hand, you have grassroots uh, Asian Americans who are who are a, whole, a, a significant number of whom hold inconvenient narr- tr- narratives, inconvenient truths, and are actually acting on it and acting on it in such numbers that they are starting to nibble away at mainstream power. I don't think this would this report would have happened even just a few years ago. Um, when it's just it it seemed easy to dismiss when Asian American political power seemed easy to ignore. Yeah, just um, right, so yeah, just when you talk about Asian interests, um, so something I've been thinking about the the last few days is in the whole uh, MR Asian section, which is like the designated, uh, ye- like yellow uh, Asian section, and I, I think that's the part that we have the most familiarity with because hey, you know the stuff about the. Uh, you know, Indian, Hindu versus uh, Muslim versus Sikh stuff. I, I, some know. some consider us part of the founding, uh, <laughs> part of the founding class of the Amerasian movement. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, I'm, uh, I, I am expecting my patriarchy card in the mail, by the way, you guys. <laughs> I hear you get free shit. Yeah, yeah T- Tina and I will vote in, in the council of uh, Amerasians to uh See if we'll let you in, kind of like how the Mormons let the, the uh, black people in in the seventies. I can't, I can't we'll, wait. Uh, we'll what's the, what's do you get like a twenty percent discount at like what's yeah, get twenty percent off at okay. uh, Panda Express. It's more like the stone. It's more like the Masons. We do the paddling oh, nice. stone cutters. Yeah, the stone nice. cutters. Yeah, 
We okay. do. We All right. Do. Anyway, so the, so the so the uh, so the MR Asian section. Something that I've noticed in the last few days is, besides the whole uh, Asian guys attack Asian women for dating outside of race, by which they mean white men. There's really nothing gender about it. Like, so, okay, so okay, so if these MR Asians are the Asian offshoot of the men's rights activists, what is their stance on abortion? What's their stance in on fathers' rights in divorce court? What's their stance on pay equality? What's their uh, stance on women's sport? You know the kind of standard issue stuff that gets MRAs really riled up. You know, women's sexual con. You know, like how they dress and all that. But besides the whole WMAF thing, they have nothing else to say about the MR Asians' attitude towards women. In fact, uh, they spend more time talking about their anti-blackness and even like their attitudes on like affirmative action. Which, if you link it all together, what that points to is that the, the problem with the MR Asians is not that they're misogynist, it's that they're too pro-Asian. Their interest is that, I mean, the, the philosophy of the supposed MR Asian is that Asianness should come first in terms of how you identify like as as a tribe within America. And, and for like the Asian progressive, that, especially like if you're an Asian female progressive, that is really uh, antithetical to your interest because there's so many better identities to hit your wagon to, whether it's your standard kind of just general liberal or progressive identity or the whole feminism movement. Asianness by itself as a as a identity is not that strong a currency. And I think in their view, the fact that these guys are trying to drag down these uh, progressive Asian American women who have spent at least a couple of generations working so hard to be a even a junior member of this uh, diverse progressive coalition. These guys are now demanding that these women uh, return to the Asian social ghetto is essentially misogyny to them. That's what they're really upset about because it's not like these guys are saying we got to roll back Roe v. Wade, we gotta we gotta get rid uh, Griswold, we gotta get rid of that too, we gotta we gotta bring back corsets. None of these guys are saying that. Um, in fact, I would say I would venture to guess that most of them have probably just standard liberal views or they just don't care. They're like, yeah, whatever, abortion, I don't care. It's like I I, I guess so, I just I, I, we've been talking about the the inherent or the narrative like gaps and problems with the MR Asian story but like and I think we've done a good job of identifying you know just how I mean at this point I think we can all just stipulate that it's totally incoherent right I mean like if how you, much how much if how you much the a- listener are, are unclear we would invite you to check our back catalog spanning five years i mean pix, <laughs> pix had that tweet where she said she was telling a bunch of her non-asian female friends about this whole idea of the mr asian they, they laughed, laughed. yeah because I, it's just funny because yeah, yeah anyway i mean we said in our last spot that there's a reason they didn't put up a lot of the uh, wmaf related tweets in the report because a lot of people would have probably laughed because some of them are kind of funny because they point out the truth. So they have to, you know, put, put all the anti-black stuff because they don't I, really want to talk about the I think that, dating stuff. I think that we've, you know, completely, like, punched through that wall. And I think most people I know don't buy into this idea of MR Asians. They've published articles about it and they've never gone anywhere. You know, the Aaron Mack article, no one ever talks about it. No one's ever like, oh, you know, the this bombshell... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they only cite each other, and like, still, still nobody cares. I mean, it's never. What I'm saying is, it's never made a real big splash in the public, in the public's mind, right? Like on its own, right? Now, if you put real institutional backing behind it, okay, then what happens? It could be pretty. See, that's bad. the point. That's the point mm-hmm. I want to try to get to. I think this mm-hmm. is the because, um, like reading this, like it occurred. It, I was thinking, like, okay, well, how would how would you actually 
enact like what would be this like let's say you get money for this right let's let's say you're trying to get this project off the ground uh from the perspective of someone who who i mean i'm i'm likely to be the kind of person that they would hire to uh to work on this kind of project and that's where it gets really really uh uh icky to me here oh i think you're too independent-minded to do that job I, I think no, they're going to hire someone I'm, I'm who's like, not going to question it. See, here's this is what I'm mm-hmm. getting to here, right? So, like, we're already taking it as a given, or at least I am, and I know you two are. Uh, I know, uh, you know, this is a this is a given. We know that these problems exist, right? Caste discrimination, misogyny, um, you know, all of these problems that they list are real to to varying degrees, right? Um, the problem here is, okay, so we identify a problem and they're very vague on what they actually want to do about this, right? But let's say they get they do get money for this and they put boots on the ground to try to force something th- through. What are they going to actually do? So on the first thing, the first thing that, that, uh, that uh, they, they want to do is they want to go in and change the narrative, right? Go where these people are and just start like, like spamming propaganda or whatever to try to get people more on their side than, you know, I'll... To, to uh, pry people away from the uh, from the arms of misinformation on the web, right? Shine a beacon of light and truth, uh, and their and their proposals for doing that are so transparent that it's it's laughable. It's not going to work. Um, they are they're saying like, oh, we're going to talk to them about food, and that's going to make them trust us about vaccines. I, I you guys have such like you you these people have such contempt for the people they claim to be speaking on behalf of like, seriously, you're saying that you go in there and you, you sneak some, uh, you sneak some good content in about like cultural dance and food. And they're suddenly going to believe everything you have to say about politics. This is how, this but is that, how stupid you think people are. But that, no, but that contempt is a feature, not a bug. If I you know. look at it from the perspective See, this is of, what I'm getting to here. Uh-huh. It is a feature here. What this would ultimately do when it comes down to it, it would be some data scientists that they hire um, what this is going to come down to is a hit list, a person by person hit list of people that they are going to compile. And my suspicions, they already yeah, have compiled right. this. Well, they already have they are- one guy in there is the King radio guy. They said he's an example of someone we deplatformed. Yay. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're the calling back. for more of that. They're saying they're it's not. A, it. We got to go to where these people are and shut that shit down. If we can't oh, shut yeah. down the platforms themselves, we got to out these people and shut and prevent them uh, from. I, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, they would lobby hard for Reddit to shut down our Asian identity as a hate site. Oh, they've been doing that for years. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, so sure what this is going to come down to this their high minded narrative about changing uh, cha- changing opinions or anything. All that is not, it, this is. They aren't even interested in that. They know that whatever bullshit methods they're talking about here will not work. It has never worked because they're not they're not interested in the root cause. What they are interested in is finding names and shutting them down, possibly yes. selling that list to higher to higher ups in the security in the surveillance security state as enemies yep. Yep. of the national interest. Yeah, I, I think that's that what you, it's going to come down to. So for the listener, if you're saying like, well, you know, you know, I have seen some misogyny here. I do see some some bullshit here and I would like to not see that. That is all fine. That's that's good. That's principled. What I'm talking about here is a question like, what are you willing to sacrifice to see that shut down? Because and proposals like this never talk about that because they know how that if they said it outright 
favor would drop, that nobody would be in favor of this. Are you okay with uh, with heightened surveillance and possible possible um, compiling of an enemy of the state list? Oh, but but they don't even ask and that empowering question. They, this, they this organization no, but just, to not be even, able to be the arbiter for this shit. But just they're not even they're not even asking that question. They're assuming the answer yes, is I know. yes. I'm 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 posing that question to people who are listening here or yeah. people who read this and are like, well, they're making some points about you know I I I didn't like all the anti-vax shit or you know yeah I've definitely seen some misogyny or you know anti-caste uh you know shit uh like all of this right like like it, this shit definitely shouldn't be there yeah it shouldn't there's stuff i would like to not see as much of um online but one if they're if you're not actually interested in going after root causes for this shit and none of no i haven't seen anything in this proposal that st- that proposes to actually address why so many people are distrusting quote uh, mainstream correct narratives on this stuff they're not interested in that this is simply a cover to start running to start running heavy surveillance on on people and platforms that previously kind of slid under the the, the mainstream radar. That's it. Yeah. There, this is surveillance, not so that they can get it. Like the surveillance that we're talking about is not so that you know it's it's not so they can steal your credit card numbers or they can be pervy you know voyeurs into our homes or whatever, spy on us through our nest cams or whatever. That's not what they want to do. I think what they want to do is. Again, the core interest here is to preserve, uh, is is to avoid, uh, is to avoid conflict and controversy within the party, because that is always a really, that's the Achilles' heel of the left coalition in America, right? And so, what they're trying to do is they're just trying to put up some electrical fencing around Asian Americans so that once they start to see that uh, there is like a grassroots movement happening that might stir up something of a problem, like let's say it's about selective high schools, uh, affirmative action, locust type issues, right? You got a lot of white people who are against affirmative action and you've got a lot of uh, sort of more left, you know, left liberal people who are just sort of plainly for it and they're going to fight about it. And the Asian Americans are going to be the ones that like set the whole thing off. They want to put electrical fencing around Asian American social media, which is grass is like the primary communications and organizing tool for grassroots political organizing. They want to put electrical fencing all around that so that any time one of these uh, efforts, these these uh, projects becomes threatening, that they have some accusations and some smears that they can immediately hit you with and then justify the wholesale deplatforming of that whole group, which is a nuclear option. It's censorship. Censorship. Right? And also there's a potential that it, act, that it gets leveraged against individuals, too. 
Like we know, we know there's heightened surveillance on, say, Chinese Americans in, uh, you know, in the United States. Right oh, but now, they don't. Right? They don't need. They don't need any fuck. They like the NSA has got that covered, right? Like they, I know. <laughs> they, this they, is they, one, they don't. They don't need they any. They are asking to join that, that yeah. group. So let's mm-hmm. say in two years, um, mm-hmm. some Chinese American goes on goes on trial for being a spy or something, for, and they're they're this group would be the group that says, "Oh, we got receipts on that guy." We, we know what he's been saying on WeChat or, or Twitter or something. This is longitudinal and latitudinal in nature here. If it gets down to the nitty gritties, like if I were designing the protocol to enact what they're proposing, it gets down to individual level actors here. That's what they're compiling here. Uh, because for something like this, right? Because um, they already have their, they already have their conclusions here. It's like, they're claiming to want money to be able to go into this, to, to study them and study narratives. Not really, because apparently they already know what they're going to find. They already have gone into it. They know what they are going to find. Oh, yeah, and for something like this, when it. you go in, you will find what you are looking for. That's the thing, right? You're, you get the money like, oh, we were right all along. No, bullshit. You, you knew what you wanted to see, and then you went in there and saw that exact thing. Right. Yeah. This is not this is not science in any sense of the term here. Uh, yeah, you're the, you're the one with, with like the, the science background among us. You, you were just ripping apart the, the methodology or lack thereof in this thing, which we didn't really talk about much in, in the last episode. But one thing I noticed was uh, there's a lot of footnotes um, uh, in, in a lot of the slides, but a lot of them don't correspond to anything. There, there's a bunch of numbers, yeah. but only every like fifth one is actually attached to a sentence. I'm like, what is this referring to? You can't even check it. And often the, the citations are wrong, like the one Pix talked about, the one that said there's this rise of uh, misogyny and homophobia among second generation Asian American men. And they said to a study about Facebook India by um, Equality Labs, which is uh, uh, like a pro Dalit organization, it nothing to do with second generation. It's obviously uh, all East bullshit. Asians. It's, like, it's, 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 it's obviously it's all bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It, like none but, of this passes, none of this passes muster as any kind of scientific methodology or proposed methodology for study here. What I'm proposing is that, like, we already know this. Like, there's like, they, the, it's almost like they're 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 able to throw out this bullshit and then keep people like us busy pointing out the bullshit. But it's harder. It takes more effort to point out the bullshit than it does to manufacture it. You see, what I'm saying so. Like to even in my mind, it is true. Like that criticism about attacking the blue checks, it is true to the extent that that equation holds true, which is that you'll never catch up if the it's a contest between un, uncovering and debunking bullshit and making bullshit up, right? Because they'll just keep gaining on you because they just make more bullshit. And, and you'll just have to spin your wheels even more to uncover it. And I think that the reason, uh, I'm just thinking out loud here, but the reason that that's the case is because, and I've seen this, is that people get so mad at the blue checks at a personal level, and they are contemptible, in my opinion. Um, but they get so mad at them that we end up really spinning uh spinning our tires and sort of wasting effort to an extent psychoanalyzing the reasons why someone would be have the mind of a blue check versus being like okay i don't know there's always going to be people like that they just exist okay like there's no world in which these people don't exist the question is 
what purpose are they serving? And I think the more we're able to get a view um, as to what's going on, like what Jess, you're pointing out and, you know, national security issues, uh, which are tie into like much, much higher political projects of creating a foreign enemy in, in an effort to promote national unity. And I think then there is party unity in which Asian Americans have to be uh, painted as inherently culturally, essentially right wing and patriarchal, thus MR Asian, even though it has nothing to do with MRA stuff. Okay, MR Asian. That well, they they in this. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. uh, I just wanted just mm-hmm. I noticed that they didn't lean too heavily on Asian culture is uh, is like patriarchal or misogynistic or or Confucian or whatever. Uh, they don't do that, and that was a kind of a curious uh, omission. They're leaning very heavily on these people are just fucking brainwashed. Well, they did it with the cast. They've been dissuaded. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I stand corrected. But on the whole, they're leaning very very heavily on these people are just fucking brainwashed because that's what they. That's what they want to do. That's what this whole thing is. Uh, there's they brought a, in there's a little a bit of this sidestepping around, um, like, it, and saying that kind of delegitimizes the authenticity of this Asian American political sentiment. Saying so you don't actually think that you're just confused. You've been brainwashed. You're just been you've just been fed disinformation. But mommy's here to help you out with that. To correct, you know, correct the bad habits you've accumulated in, you know, the dark, the stinking it backwoods of uh, WeChat or whatever. Step into the light here. Um, I think there's an event that helps highlight uh, this whole thing. So last night was the Democratic primaries all across New York State for both like state office and for uh, national office. By, by national office, I mean like, you know, Congress and for, and you know, like New York State Senate uh, on the state level. Uh, one of them was was New York 10, which is like this new newly created district. So there were a lot of people going after it. The guy who ended up winning is a guy named Dan Goldman, who's this like uh, rich guy. He was the guy who prosecuted Trump uh, for his like impeachment proceedings and everything uh, to the point where Trump um, kind of endorsed him in a very ironic way. And it, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he said something like, you know, he's, you know, Dan Goldman's a very talented man. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so I was so proud that I beat him and beat him badly. And he, he made me realize how, how good I am and everything for having beaten him so badly. Anyway, uh, uh, second place was Yulin New. And, you know, it was a pretty close race. And I, when I was just, you know, just checking up on the race, there were some tweets that, that I just zeroed in on. One, uh, this guy, Nikki Frank 30. Um, I, and, you know, I, I'm assuming his information is correct. I mean, he's not like a, he's not, you know, Politico or, or the New York Times, you know, one of those uh, vote counters. But he says, so interesting, what uh, of what's out in Brooklyn in NY10 is in AD49, which is a Chinatown part of Brooklyn in Sunset Park. Should be good for new, but she's actually doing terribly there, fighting for second with Goldman, the leader, Jimmy Lee, who is getting 1% district, district wide. So Jimmy Lee total non-entity, totally irrelevant in the race, yet he is winning uh, the the Brooklyn Chinatown. And then the next tweet, he says, if she loses, news downfall might have been not building a stronger base of support in Brooklyn's Chinatown. You could point to a lot of uh, reasons why she lost, but hey, you know, th- there, there might be one reason right there. Hey, there are, there are a lot of things um, you could have done, but one thing might have been if you shored up, if you just had more support in Chinatown, you might have won. But the thing is, if she did have stronger 
supporting Chinatown probably would have meant she would have had to embrace certain issues that would have made her lose support with non-Asian voters or, or say like Asian progressive voters who live in like Park Slope or whatever. So in the end, I think she made the right calculation, but I, I think someone like her, even though she's not like like a, a mainstream Democrat exactly, I think she would be someone who would support this report because for someone like her and these like Asian progressives who are just like almost at the finish line, they're almost there. Like she almost won this race. The thing that one of the things that they might think is holding the back is this Chinatown, and not literally that Chinatown, but the Chinatown in their lives. Whether it is the, the district or the part of town that refused to vote for you, or your, your social circle that's like holding you back, or or your parents, or whatever issues you have, to them, um, that's why they need this report to saying these people, um, like we need to either shame them into changing their ways or. If they do cost us these things, we can say, you know what? Never mind them. It's not because of anything wrong with me. They're just so fucked up in their Asianness, disregard well, what they did, and and so forth. And you know, a Ross Barkan, who's this uh, journalist who reports a lot on like New York um, state and city politics, he says Chinatown, for a variety of reasons, was not overly supportive of New. So, f- I think for for people like her and you know other people who either wrote this report or support this report, Chinatown, that, that Asian Americanness at, at, at its most undiluted form is like the big obstacle in their advancement. Well, that kind of is what they're saying here. Asians as a block are inconvenient to their, to their personal aspirations here. No. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, like just one more thing. Uh, there was a guy who yeah. uh, replied to that tweet said, there's a huge problem with non-English misinformation moderation on social media platforms as well. I don't know if he got it directly from this report or he got it from, I, I mean, this report is, says nothing new. This type of stuff has been written about, about WeChat for at least like four or five years. So yeah, there you have it. It's, 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 it's I think it's very, you know, this is a pattern that keeps repeating itself over and over again. And we could, you know, and maybe Jess, you'll agree with this, because I think you have a lot of times brought up this notion that there isn't anything really exclusively Asian about this. And I, I do agree with that in the sense that there, it is not culturally centralist uh, point of view here. It is, though it is about a specific group of people who, because of their position in society, uh, along all, I'm not just talking about rich or poor, but just all the complex things that, uh, uh, you know, amount to being uh, like an Asian enclavian, you know, mm-hmm. first generation immigrant or re- all that stuff. All the reasons that that makes this particular neighborhood or group of people, their interests do not fundamentally align with larger democratic coalitional politics in the city, right? They have unique interests because of their unique position in society, right? And uh, I think that there is, it is an act of erasure to say, look, you cannot vote on your interests, okay? That's not how politics work. You don't just think for yourself. You have to understand that there's a whole game that we're playing, Right? And to win this game, you've got to form sides and coalitions and teams. And this is what we've this is where that coalition is now, right? So you can't fuck this coalition up because this is the team that you're supposed to be on. You can't be on this other team. It's either us or them, is is the thing. It's either us or it's like we lose to these 
you know, yeah, that's fucking exactly right wingers. Right? Okay, yeah, but, so that but means the disgusting hate crime thing victims in this in this framing is that the hate crime victims are collateral damage. Right, right. This I, is I was just shit. That, we yes. have to we have to accept these losses. Yes, correct. For the oh, sake I'm not of the saying, co- collective. I'm not saying that it's not disgusting, Chris. I'm saying that that is dis- that it is, is disgusting, and here. that's but that's the logic. No, exactly. And and, so, and 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 to them, if you were to, if I was to take that position seriously, and I think people do, it is it is a serious position, right? Because this is it is they are describing a, a sort of reality too, right? It's that's not bullshit. That it is true that coalitional politics is how things are done, right? But what they're saying is, if you came to me and said, "What's disgusting about what you just said is that you're using the victims of these crimes as collateral damage, or, or as or you're just treating it as collateral, uh, collateral or, or a side issue, right?" You know, I would say, look, I am just as appalled by what's happened as you are. But the difference is I want to do something real about it. I need to play politics to get things done. And if you you have the luxury of sitting there doing nothing on your podcast and talking about how awful this is, whereas I have to go out and fucking and campaign. I've got to raise money. I've got to play. I've got to play nice with the you know with the with 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 the people down in Washington or up in Albany. I've got to do all this shit. I can't just sit back and talk on my podcast about all this stuff. Okay, so yeah, it's easy for you to say this is disgusting, but I've got to play the game. I think that's where they're coming from, and I do think that's a serious position that is not so easy to dismiss but on the other hand the the way it works i think is so detestable that at this point i think that we need to question whether that game is a valid game anymore well not only that but in the process if you are impugning and even endangering like people who aren't even victims yet but if you're saying oh these these like these asians you know they're they're in their secret, um, you yes. know, code uh, programs and stuff. Who are you, who's going to get saved? Like, okay, you you accomplish your mission, but okay, over half the community is now under the suspicion of, of the entire country as being, um, at best, selfish jerks and at worst, uh, traitors. Okay, so who are you going to save? Like, basically, people like them. That that's who they're going to save. They're they're going to save a few more people like them. They're yeah, going to get inducted right. into the that's... elite coalition and yeah. the rest of Asian America. Well, too bad. Uh, you you called me names once on Twitter, so you deserve to die. No, Chris, I think that's totally the right response. I think that the response to someone's trying to make the argument that I just did is like, okay, you could you could go and try and execute your plan all you want, but I'm telling you, I don't think it's helping us at all. Fuck you. I'm not going to support well, you. Well, it has to be a win somewhere, right? Like if like okay, if you make the case, like okay, take the hit. And we'll get you this this other win later or some other time or this other kind of win. There has to be a give and take. They never offer a win in any d- dimension. They are never willing to to say, okay, well, this is in service of that, which will help us here. No, it's consistently take the W and shut up about it. Then that's you mean, why take the I L. Think- oh, yeah. Sorry. Take the L and shut the hell up because it's inconvenient. I, I, I think that. San Francisco, if you, if you in this sense, was a, play a ma- game? major. Sorry, yeah, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Um, just I just if you want people to play the political game and recognize it is a game, there has to be a ch- has to be a chance of winning, or you're going to withdraw from the game. Yeah, I, I mean we've played this game for decades. Yeah, and and I think that the fact that they're still shoving it under the bus to say wait wait. We have to reach for larger goals because, you know, if, if we just pursue our interests directly, we'll never get anywhere. 
that's a lie. How do we know this? Because look at what happened in San Francisco. And I think that 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 whoever said, whether it's Matt Iglesias, whoever said that that was the political earth event of the year, there might be some truth to that. And I think the because what happens is it now starts to be like, wait, you're, you're exactly like it's the, exactly a mix of what you both said. One is like what's happening now is so appalling that I can no longer like, you know, subordinate this to larger goals. And number two is I don't think you really care about this at all. And the third lie is that there's nothing that can be done because you see these people saying, no, you know what? Fuck it. We'll just do it ourselves. We're going to organize a recall. We're going to boot them out and we're going to do it with grassroots money. And we're going to fucking use Chinese language media and uh, social media to organize. We're going to stand out in 99 Ranch and other like grocery Chinese grocery stores handing out flyers. That's how we're going to do it. And then they won. And so that just the fact that they won and delivered results. I think really put a scare into people. That's what they're sh- trying to shut down here. Yes. They're going everywhere they're, that yes. these people have been organizing and offering to uh, out quote bad faith actors on these platforms to shut them out, lock them out, force people onto the mainstream apps or, you know, get rid of the apps entirely. If so, if uh, that's what's needed. So, that's so as far as, as far as here's the thing, as far as what Chris said about the MRH thing, it's like most people, I think with the Emiration thing, it's like most people will not find it quite as grotesque as we find it because we have unpacked it a lot and seen sort of like the the sort of ridiculousness of what they're saying. But most people will either be neutral about it or they will care about it. So to them, it's just like, yo, just throw it in there. It can't hurt. Because what we want to see is we we just want to create it's it's kind of like Trump. It's like there's no such thing as bad press for Trump, right? They keep attacking Trump. But they don't quite understand that all press, all publicity is good publicity for Trump, whether it's good or bad. And sometimes, in fact, the bad stuff's even worse for him, right? And I think they're using the similar principle here, which is to say, like, look, just I don't care whether these citations are correct. I don't care what. All I want to do is set up like a neat, like just a very simple, direct correlation and association of Asian people with accents and patriarchy. MRH type thinking, just fucking, you know, just obsolete oriental, you know, you know, fuckery that's totally incompatible with modern American urban sensibilities. That's what they're trying to do. That way they can discredit any Chinese or Asian, particularly immigrant enclave political organizing. They don't want to see it. So they're just going to smear it as fundamentally anti-liberal. Yes, and they know that chances are if any uh, non-Asian person, especially a white person, knows an Asian, it's probably one of them or one of their own group. And they have been counting on that kind of social um, exile, sometimes even self-exiling that a lot of Asian American enclave people do to just basically uh, be hissing in the ears of of, uh, non-Asians. And that's why I think the, the best thing that, you know their their opponents can do, including us. I think one of the best things we've done is just find non-Asian uh, people who often are experiencing the same things in their own minority groups, and and you know find commonality in that because they, I think they have this increased like just inflated opinion of themselves as the the bridge between Asian America and the rest of it, America, and probably all started when they they 
they thought they were like cooler than the other Asian kids because they had like a, a white friend or two. And it just carries over into their uh, stunted emotional selves as they grow up. And I think that's why um, whenever they see, especially like a black person uh, kind of take our side on social media, they just, they just tuck tail and run like a bunch of cowards because uh, they just, they only know how to be badasses against uh, other Asians. Yeah. And I think like we will have better responses because I think there is some truth to the idea that, and I see these people on Twitter all the time, like people that I follow me or agree with a lot of my tweets or whatever. Um, sometimes I'll just see them make plain attacks on, you know, some of the Asian blue checks that to me just play into it where they just start saying stuff like, oh, is that what your white boyfriend told you to say? Or, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, you're getting baited, honestly, because it's like the the they want us to remain within that personal that personal intra Asian fight, gender fight, whatever. They want us to remain stuck in the in the shit, in the mud, right? Without seeing the bigger picture. I think once we see the bigger picture, I think one it, this is to me actually assimilation is where we see the role that we play within the much larger picture. It doesn't mean that I culturally assimilate. It doesn't mean that, you know, I adopt the ways of, uh, you know, a bland white person or whatever. I don't know. It just means that we start to understand that, like, we are part of the overall machinery here, right? Like, we do have a function in here, right? We do pose threats. We do have to be managed. We do, we, we do need to be co-opted, you know, all this stuff in order for the machine as they want it to work, works. And once we start to see, I think, the, the larger picture, the larger political picture, which I think we're trying to sketch out for everyone here on this pod, once we start to see how that works, then I think we have a better idea um, that like these people are just useful idiots in many ways. I, I do agree when people say like these people aren't really that important. Yeah, they're not important in the sense that they have like a lot of autonomy and power. And I, I agree, they don't. But they're useful idiots, meaning that they're being elevated, they're being platformed, they're being funded because they're idiots. I mean, because they're clueless, because they just go along with whatever they're told, right? Because they <coughs> frankly don't understand the larger picture. Like I don't think, for example that um, Kimi Yam, who publicized this study in NBC News, really understands the things that we've been talking about today. I don't think she sees how this plays into that. So she's a useful idiot in that sense, where she's playing her role, but she doesn't know the overall strategy. Yeah, you have to... There is no, there is no pretense at impartiality here. That's how far gone this is ideologically. There is no challenge to it. There's no hypothesis... There's no neutral hypothesis right being proposed here like affirmative action or something right like there's nothing saying we want to see where asian americans stand on affirmative action no they start out the gate saying asian americans are central to anti affirmative action sentiment in the country and that's disinformation no so people who read this and there has to i mean there's like there's there's a lot of names on this every one of these at least read part of this and saw no no ideological pro conflict there or even the possibility of a different kind of narrative that doesn't fall under the um, the under the umbrella of disinformation these are these are pro thoroughly propagandized people yeah they believe it 
They actually believe it. They actually they, believe it. They they think that the your your primal your your primary response to that, which is look, I have to explain to my high school age nephews that why why and they know it. They already know it. Why is it much less likely that they're going to get into a top school versus their even their white counterparts? To be honest, uh, but especially you know um, other other PO, non Asian POC. Uh, why is that? Why why does that is is a thing that they have to face in life? And I don't un, like I am not willing to tell them bullshit about how what they're doing is for some greater purpose. I'm like, no, it's discrimination, it's plain and simple. Like I don't know what to tell you other than this is just anti-Asian discrimination. So I'm not going to uh, like I just can't I I I don't know why I'm telling you about my thoughts on this, but what I'm saying is that I think their initial response probably is similar, but then they were, quote, educated into understanding why. Like someone told them, made them feel better about the whole thing to say, oh, you know, the reason I'm not upset about this anymore, the way you are, is because I'm educated. Actually, they're propagandized, but they took it as education to say, ah, I see. You see, like Asians do have all these advantages that are derived from our white adjacency, perhaps from the selection filter of immigration. And we do sort of jump the queue and and these other minorities have been here for much longer and have suffered much greater discrimination than us. Ah, I see. I have to I have to accept some level of discrimination to make things fair again. Right? That's the story that they're told. It's not altogether itself such a terrible story, but the problem is that it doesn't comport with the reality of how these programs work. Why is it harder for an Asian kid to get into Harvard See, than a white kid? That's that's the problem. Is right? an opinion. So, mm-hmm. It's fine to say that. Say I personally, after having surveyed the information out there, have concluded that some degree of discrimination, suppression of Asian American students in 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 our higher in our institutions of higher education is actually ethically and morally justified given the long social and cultural history of the United States. That's actually an, that's an opinion. You are allowed to say that, and, and we can we can we can have a conversation about that in good faith. What they are saying is no. That is that is actually the unvarnished truth truth and if you believe anything different then you are subject then you are now you know uh somebody that we would like to just exterminate from you know public consciousness wherever you may lurk here and and why why do they want to do it i don't and think it's, it's it's and this is a, and i picked that one because it's kind of it's kind of blatant you know who else doesn't disagree that it's anti-asian racism Harvard University, like that part is just settled that they are engaging in this. What do you mean that it's a matter of belief or what like what's real? Like they're 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 dictating reality here. They're not. Yeah. And I think that the question we have to ask is, why are they pursuing this? Like, why do they need to suppress Asian, uh, you know, res- uh, resistance, uh, opposition to affirmative action again? Because it's just highly inconvenient to party unity. That's really what it is. I mean, I don't yeah. think it's it's one thing to sit here and be like, man, these people are self-hating. Man, what what is wrong with these people? Why do they hate their own kind? And I think if we go too far down that route, and I will grant this to people who level this accusation at, at me, is if we go t- too far down the road of putting this all upon the Asian American blue checks to say, man, you all are fucking shit for saying this, self-hating or whatever, that... 
that ultimately I do agree that like that's not really getting at the core of the issue again because it's like there will always like it it the question is why are it's not why are the way they are the question is why are these people who are this way what purpose are they serving why do they keep getting platformed you know i think that's the question and i think ultimately it's it you know a lot of the xenophobia stuff comes down to national unity and a lot of the lip, you know ant- the 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 you know right wing asian stuff the anti black asian stuff comes down to party unity you know and i think if we think about it that way you know, we can start seeing these blue checks more as cogs rather than real people. And I'd like to cogify them, you know, rather than, you know, dig through their histories and figure out why yeah, they are the way they I never, are. I never liked that, you know, like. Well, I think I, we've done I just, it and I think we're, we're do- like, we've done it well, but. We've done it, it's but, incomplete. you know, as, as history progresses, right, over the course, we've done this for a half decade now, right? So as we see history kind of progress on this front here, uh, the more we talk about these people as individuals, like, you know, uh, like people digging through their Instagrams to find like a white husband or, you know, some, some, per- some perceived personality trait or whatever, or some like adjacency to power or anything as individuals, that's missing the forest or the trees here, in my opinion. There's a bigger machine at work here. And there's of a course. reason they are in sure. front of us. So yeah. I think that dovetails with what you're saying here. I, I, at this point, I don't like digging into them as people here. It's more important to take to take what they say in aggregate and see where that see where that vector points at. And here yeah. it's yeah. suppression. Yeah. It's suppression mm-hmm. of homegrown uh, Asian American political sentiment towards mainstream democratic purposes here. Like everything falls in line with a with a various traditional democrat democratic agenda here, like yeah, suppressing Asian American hate rage um, about uh, you know uh, affirmative action, uh, suppressing suppressing negative sent you know inconvenient sentiment about hate crimes and how that's actually manifested in the recall of Chesa Budin. This is all to bring Asian Americans back in line. I also want to add, um, because some of the people who support this report might say, well, I'm not a Democrat because I'm I'm more leftist. I think we can say more than just like Democrat, just this bigger kind of liberal slash progressive coalition uh, ideology, whether you are more of a centrist Democrat or you can even be kind of more far left progressive. But either way, this Asianness is impeding your ascension into that. And also impeding the 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 goals of, of your of your group and, and making you personally uh, the the black sheep. Yeah, um, I just want to I just want to mention uh, something that happened to me on Twitter. I thought it was very oh yeah for sure yeah. Uh, it, it was a kind of a check. It was a kind of gut check for me. So after we did that pod, you know, I was, getting, I was just like very worked up about what's going on with the way that um, the lives of Asian people have been have like you said Chris have become sort of collateral issues or collateral damage to you know larger political projects where you know the inherent value of life particularly asian life uh is really demeaned you know and so i heard about the murder of lily shu 60 year old woman uh who was gunned down in uh in her car with her husband random attack I, or as far as i know there was no robbery element to it and it wasn't someone they knew um and it was just horrifying because, I mean, just this idea, the image of that, 
of Asian people being hunted down randomly in the streets, almost if it was a sport, is harder and harder to deny as a reality. And that's a very dark reality, a very, very sick reality. And I saw uh, Dion Lim put out a tweet, uh, which was a picture of her husband. And she said that he wanted her to show him the video of the shooting. There was a video of it. And so she played it for him and he uh, almost collapsed in grief watching it. And I mean, the idea of watching someone I love being gunned down is it's horrifying. I mean, it's just absolutely horrifying. Right. So I retweeted that. And I think I retweeted it like twice. I was so upset. Like one time I quote tweeted and said, I tagged Kimmy M and going like, is this fucking disinformation? Is this disinformation? Like why, what, you know? And then I, and then I quote tweeted again and I was making another point feeling very self-righteous about the whole thing. And then I got a DM later in the afternoon from I believe I believe it was Lily Shu's daughter. I'm not I don't know I'm not sure if it's son or daughter, but it the direct just, relation. The, they're Lily Shu's child, you know. Mm-hmm. Um the, the the nature the way the tweet was worded made me feel it it was daughter. And so I'll just say she, but I like I, I don't know. But this person, and I think the account is a she, she said to me that it was very disappointing to see that I was using her mother as a pawn just to make a political point. And when I saw that, I have to admit that my first gut instinct was a bit of defensiveness because I didn't think that that's what I was doing. But then I was like, here I am making, you know, getting upset about this woman's death. And then I'm talking to this person's daughter and I, the whole thing is premised off me imagining that that was my own mother. This is actually is this person's mother. And this person's telling me that what I'm doing is not good. She doesn't like it. And so I thought about it for a while. And then I responded. I said, you know, well, first I deleted all the tweets. And then I said, look, uh, hey, I deleted all the tweets. I said, I, you know, I am really sorry about your mother. That's just horrifying. And I said, you're right. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have put those tweets up, period. And then she said, no, it's, she's like, no, she's like, it's okay. It's just, you know, I didn't really disagree with anything you were saying, but it's just really sucks that we have to do this every time, you know, meaning like we have to f- have these political fights. We have to make these accusations against other Asian Americans and we have to fight about this. It doesn't bring us together. We fight about it is I think is what they were inferring. And I, I agreed with that. So I didn't really say anything. I didn't, def- I, you know, I didn't really have much of a defense for myself. And even if I did, I, it's like, what is the point? I mean, I don't care. Like m- dealing with a person who's literally experiencing the thing off of which all my anger is premised off of, like theoretically, <laughs> this is her reality. So, you know, obviously I just fucking backed off and um, I've been thinking about it ever since. And it uh, it is a new uh, sort of question for me, which is like, to what extent do I uh, capitalize or exploit these murders to make my point? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm glad I, I think this you, person reached out to me. So no, I think you acted very honorably, and I, at least you're having these thoughts. I I don't 
I, you know, I, I don't think the other side is being as thoughtful as you are. So I think that's uh, it's a very good thing you did. Well, I mean, I'd be a complete hypocrite if I was to say, <laughs> dismiss what this person said, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's that suffering that is the entire premise of why I kind of think my, the way I do about this, right? So if a, a per- if that hypothetical person becomes real and says something to me, I, I have to listen. You know, so I don't know. It's it's just opened up a new sort of question thing for me that I'm like thinking about. I don't have any answers to share with you other than I'm thinking about it. And it's complicated. It's fucking complicated, you know. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I thought that whoever that was, I mean, I do thank you for reaching out to me and, and, and feeling like, you know, that, <laughs> that I would even listen. So, yeah. All right. That's it from me. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Teen. Um, Jess, you, you got any last thoughts for closing out? Um, I mean, I'm I'm still, man. I feel so sorry for him or her. That I mean, that that's what I mean. Like, how do you how do you even wrap your head around losing losing your mother like that? Just completely out of the blue. Um, Watching your father go through that kind of grief, you know. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that they're that. They're, there is no, there is no n- narrative support for you, like no ideological or political will behind supporting. Um, it's, 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 it's a, I mean, it's a hard fact, right? Social media, like we've all retweeted, you know, things about about tragedies. Each one of those tragedies had real human victims and real human fallout to it. Um, and it's easy to use it as content because that's the only level with which we can really engage on it, right? It's it's token it's it's little like tokens of information that we trade back and forth and ascribe, you know, to push a thing that we want to say. So in a, in essence, anything we say about it is kind of pushing our own perspective, our own opinion, um, on and that's that's the entire point of these platforms here. So there is that kind of thing, that kind of. Um, um, manipulation or using of a collateralization. I don't know. I don't know what the word would be, but taking a real human event and like transforming it into kind of a, an information meme that to be passed around, right. To transfigure it and, and pass it around. That's kind of built into these platforms. So to the extent that it's important to remember that there's people behind it, that's, it's also good to recognize that these are, this is, these are some of the real limits of, of uh, social media. What you're seeing is inherently like there is no such thing as a as a unvarnished like fact, like a pure fact. Right. Everything. If you're seeing it, a person had to a person, a person put their opinion, their point of view, uh, their perspective, uh, at least a statement of what they find important or not and put it out there. So you are seeing human manipulation. So, um, like, there, there, we just can't get to anything resembling like an objective, observable, uniform truth. Um, so, it's it is an important thing to keep in mind. There are real people behind all this. The last mm-hmm. thing I said was just, "I hope you are okay," and she responded uh, in a way that I feel only someone actually going through it would respond, which is, "I'm just too busy not to be at this point." And I was like, wow, I see that's when, you know, it's real because, uh, that just, that, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, I've just got to, you know, just my, just, it's almost like, I don't know that just hearing that was just very, uh, 
there is more to this than the politics of it, you know. And uh, yeah, maybe 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 all this fighting is not always conveying a seriousness uh, about what's going on. So, anyway, yeah, um, uh, a humbling thing, which I think is great for us to all be humbled every every now and then, you know. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I think we can wrap it up with that. So, Tina and Jess, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me on this bonus pod, listeners. As we always. hope you enjoy this. Um, hopefully, we we don't have to talk about this fucking disinformation report. Even though we got some good material out of it for a while, maybe our next episode can be a relief away from the world. Of this yeah, we got other stuff going on too. It's important. It, like it's it's nothing. It's nothing yet. Uh, I feel like we're going to A, see more of this kind of thing, though, uh, as the months and years progress. So I'm I'm glad that we spent a good minute on 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 talking it through. Uh, this is not going away. This 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 pretty blatant. Power they showed their hand. This is what I took yes. this as. Like we've always suspected this for at least like a decade, at least for me. This was so blatant and it's useful in that regard. It's important in that regard. We know exactly yeah. what they're thinking now. So it should be on everyone's radar here that there are that there is a movement, a serious movement and potentially well-funded movement uh, to uh, to increase surveillance and control over over Asian Americans um, within their within their grasp here. So and, it's and- Knowing you, Jess, I know that just doesn't sit well with you. I know it's like it just doesn't sit well with you, does it? I it know really that bothers doesn't. the shit out of you. <laughs> it it really doesn't. I mean, I, I mean, it, look, I'm if they're compiling an actualist, and I do think that they have one. This is the thing. I don't think this is a perspective. I think these people are all people we've engaged with. Um, I mean, we're putting up block lists. And, yeah. and, and you know, several of us. I, uh, do you guys remember? Like three years ago, there was some kind of spreadsheet going around. There were yeah. a whole bunch of us on it. I have a copy of it. You know, um, like this was this shit's going around. What they're doing here, and like, like the, the shallowness of their their uh, their reporting here, really showed their asses on what their concerns are, and and actually like what they actually have, what their cards are at the moment. They have, they do have a hit list that they have compiled. This is providing a little bit of ideological window dressing to legitimize that. So they're now able to say this is not a personal beef. These are actual dissidents. These are p- dangerous people who are going to fuck your shit up. If you could kindly get if you could kindly handle them for me that sure would be nice also pay me because i'm doing you a service here uh i think we are all on this list for one thing and they're trying to get more they're trying to root out everyone who thinks uh, who thinks um differently than they do uh this is a serious problem and for me like the que- like i posed the question right like we know that there's problems out there um we all we all have seen opinions that we'd really rather uh, weren't a thing but are but it's for me it's it's really the what what am i willing to pay to get that shit taken down and the answer is not not compiling a race-wide hit list block list that they're going to sell uh, that, that they're going to pitch as like as uh, some public service not in this political climate are you kidding me seriously that price is not worth it to me the the upside to all this though is that this is a major signal to us that we do matter. That yes, it they is. are they are worried about the direction we might take because it yeah. could f- foil and fuck up their plans 
to retain national power. So that's a sign to us that we need to take our our own politics more seriously, you know. So and and, and that's a, that that to me is a very positive sign to be like, oh shit, we matter. Right? Yeah, that's like, a good point. Yeah, we I mean, matter. This is a we sign matter enough like, to be to to attract spooks. Yeah, <laughs> to attract money to put yeah. this shit down. Uh, so We're that's no a longer sign of ju- maturation. So the, you know, if you don't want to be long duck dong, you're going to be a threat to national security. That's your next. That's the next step. Is, mm-hmm. Way more know, dignified. So. Way it's more dignified. Ha- yeah, it's either be a hairy butthole or go on the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's, all right, let, let's get started on that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Philip's right. gonna come over any any minute now, so I gotta hey. I gotta go. But uh, awesome. Okay. Yeah, Tina, uh, I'll see you at the picnic this weekend. Jess, you gotta come out here. I'll see sometime. you at dinner. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. We're gonna go to dinner yeah. before then. All right. Yeah. Thanks for all listening, right. everyone. We'll be back soon. Bye, Peace everyone. Out. See y'all.